All right. All right. So let me ask you something, um, Tom. Please. Have you ever been in a fist fight or any other physical altercation? Hmm. As a child, many times. As an adult, no. Tell me about some of the uh, early ones. Uh, let's see. Uh, I remember very distinctly being in a fist fight in like fifth grade with my best friend at the time. And uh, we were just, it was, we were going at it, man. Like rolling around. I think at one point he like spit on me. So I like, <laughs> No, and then I got on top and I spit into his mouth or something like that. Did you really? Oh, yeah. It was fucking... We were not being Erotic, And then now that I think... Well, we were in fifth grade, so I'm going to back off on that one for you. Okay. Uh, Come to think of it, I was in a fight once as an adult. Uh, That was when I was in the Navy. We were pulling into a Liberty port. We'd been at sea for too long, and there comes this weird saturation point when you're surrounded by men where you just get weird and reckless for some reason. Yeah. And... um, yeah, me and this one guy got in a fight. I, I did not do well. He'd been in many more fights than I. <laughs> did he punch you? He punched me really good. Right he in the old... split my lip, like right on the inside all the way. Oh, so I had to go get stitches for that. Fights, as I recall, those type of fights can also be physically exhausting within seconds. Yes. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It reminded me a lot of it. So it was like, uh, like wrestling when I was in wrestling in high school. Yeah. Like, that takes an amazing amount of energy out of you. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Like, uh, just like talking to you does. So, <laughs> I'm sure there's a point to this. Talking in this heat. Yeah. We're in some bad heat right now. Uh, well, it's, it's, called, it's called living in, it's called, it's called being in Fresno. I don't like to use the word live. So, I was in, uh, it was like 1984, and I was in um, a civics class, Miss Chikarian's, Miss Chikarian's civics class. And there was this kid, Albert um, Vallejo. No, no, that's too much information. A Vallejo. <laughs> no, no, Albert V. So Albert Vallejo was a kid who had his um, really sort of classic pompadour. Mm-hmm. And um, he, was a, he had like the Napoleon complex, I think, because he would come up to me every day while I was sitting in my seat and like head slap me, but like really hard. Mm, like wow. just like bam. And Very then just polite. sort of laugh at what he'd gotten away with. And I sat there. It's the same thing that Napoleon did to Austria. Yeah. And I was was humiliated by the experience, like the daily experience. And Miss Jacarian would do nothing. She was sort of oblivious. She looked like um, Mrs. Roper, a lot like Mrs. Roper. She wore like. Was she sexy too? Sure. She was also sexy. So, so, um, you know, my dad gave, um, when I talked to him about it, he gave the best advice, which was uh, (laughs) make sure your shoes are tied. So, like, you don't get knocked out of your shoes. <laughs> that was the entirety of the advice to me. So, I was sat in fear wow. of this guy, Albert Vallejo, every day in class. Mm-hmm. And um, one day, something happened where he head slapped me. And then, to this day, it's just like a blackout. I had him in the front of the room and had lifted him off the ground mm-hmm. and was shaking his body into the door. <laughs> you never touch me. I, the way that, that adults wow. beat children, like yeah. per syllable, right? <laughs> and the whole class was, was you know, like uh, looking at the whole scene and Jacarian like dropped her pen or something while she was taking roll. Wow. And um, the guy, the vice principal, Mr. Rendon, who mm-hmm. was a colonel in the, um, in the reserves and had a, like a crew cut, Still perfect. Okay. He pulled us in, and he ex- he suspended a Vallejo mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Albert V, and um, <laughs> then called me in mm-hmm. and said, 
Vaughn, you're a good boy, and sent me back to class. Because uh, he knew he had seen this guy mm-hmm. sort of torture me. Right. Oh, the campus. So it was like I it didn't I, help that you were probably probably it didn't hurt a lot that you were Caucasian. Well, Rendon was uh, of the same persuasion as Mr. Vallejo. Oh, really? Okay. Well, yeah. Still, you know, okay. No. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I think that it really was the fact that he'd seen this guy right. probably had this pick on me all year. Mm-hmm. Was kind of unable to do a lot about it, and then sort of saw me break and That's, kind of felt good about it. Mm-hmm. So that last I feel good about it. Yeah, <laughs> it was sure. a good story, right? So punk? it was like I like yeah, I got back. At, I. You know, whatever. I didn't take it anymore. It was a vigilante in class. Mm-hmm. So a week later, I'm walking home. I used to walk home, and I would walk past my old elementary school. And I was full of confidence now. Mm-hmm. And so I saw a sixth grader. And for some reason, I walked up to the sixth grader, and I said, let me ride your bike, kid. I had this new confidence. Wait a minute. How old were you again? What I grade? was in seventh grade. Oh, okay. So I'm walking into the school, and I, he's riding his bike. I go, let me, walk, let me ride your bike, kid. <laughs> yeah, with bullies. And he, like goes, uh, he goes, he goes, well, no. Like, I'm not gonna just. Who are you? <laughs> I said, get off that bike. Let me let me ride your bike. And so, cut to about 15 minutes later, I'm walking home with a bloody nose, and a bunch <laughs> of sixth graders, including girls, are following me and taunting me. <laughs> you little faggot, get away! Leave me alone! Leave me alone! You could have been a bully. Joe yeah. could have been a really good bully, but no. No, they weren't there for him. Well, those are the things. And I think, I think I've, I've been in dozens of fistfights in my life, and I think I've lost half and won mm-hmm. half, about 50-50 on that. I, I, I know I've been, I, I really haven't been in very many fights at all. I would always say there was always this, and I'm not, not, not in like some weird you know, philosophical sense, but, there, yeah. I, but there, sometimes it's hard to know. Did Hard to know that, that, oh. <laughs> if you won the fight or not. I'm pretty sure that last one I was in in the Navy, I'm pretty sure I lost that one. That was pretty clear. Yeah, they're not as clear-cut as you want them to be. Yeah, you like them to be, but then, yeah. Right. That's why they're such good uh, subjects for films, oh, I fuck. think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think today we want to... Beating wanna... up children is an amazing <laughs> yeah, film subject. That's right, yeah. Can't I love... enough of that. Yeah. Come here, you little fucker. Yeah. That's the name of this episode. Come here, you little <laughs> Come... fucker. Yeah. That's it. You can't get these films anywhere, by the way, lawfully. Yeah, well, not yet, but we're going to be putting together another Patreon page for you to ignore. So. <laughs> the NAMBLA website has them, though. Yeah, well, that's a different meeting. Oh, my. So um, we were actually going to take a look at a couple of films that um, touch on the... Is it the Sport of Kings, or is that is that horse racing? This is the sweet, sweet science. science. Yeah, yeah the, 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 another horseshit name <laughs> that came up with. I think it was Costell. Yeah, but, but boxing films, Costell. basically. And there's so many great boxing films. And, you know, uh, yeah. obviously, How do you pick? Obviously, there's Rocky. That's sort oh, of like the... Of course, Rocky, there's also Raging Bull. And Rocky Three. Well, don't even get me started. That really is the best of the Rockies, but that's beside the point. There are all these great, and um, there's um, uh, Heart and uh, Body and Soul with mm-hmm. John Garfield. But right. uh, would someone with uh, with uh, Newman, somebody up there somebody likes up there me, likes me, sure. Yeah. The thing about those films, well, raging, putting Raging Bull aside, is is what they often have is they use boxing. Um, as a way to talk about like a triumph of like the spirit or the right. will. Actually, that's a little Nazi-esque. I didn't mean it that way. What do you mean that? A, a triumph of the will. You know, because you want to you want to pugilize yourself into some Leibenstrom, perhaps. But but the point being, like they 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 use the boxing as an opportunity to talk about like the the underdog there story. There was actually some really great Jewish fighter, so probably that's not the best. Way. You're still on that one. Yeah. Okay. So the rise of the boxer to sort of you know triumph and so forth. Right. Um, and these are not. 
those films. And in a way, but it's not that they're, yeah, I mean, what they're about is they're about two different things. Well, let's just start with the first film, if you don't mind. Let's just start with the first film. And I, and I, I do want to point out that we're, we're, we're kind of, I think we're purposely avoiding what I think is the greatest of the films in the genre because yeah. we went for a heavyweight is such a, is such a, it's almost a cartoonish example of this. And I want to cover it, but at some other time on yeah, sure. some other subject. The ones we're covering today are, are similar. They're less, uh, there's less, there's sort of less pageantry. Mm. In them, I think. Okay. Almost by definition, that's what defines these movies. Uh, the first of them, Al- Humphrey Bogart's very last film. 1956 is The Harder They Fall. <laughs> Absolutely. Fabulous cast. Great cast, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about Humphrey Bogart. Rod Steiger. Rod Steiger, who our friend... Steiger. What is he called? Steiger. Calls. Steiger. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Uh, Jan Sterling. A bunch of... There's a... I don't know the, the actor's name, but he played um, the sort of doppelganger for Johnny Ross in Bullet. He's in there as one of the Stooges, but is he really? Yeah, but okay. essentially, this is a film that's about, like all great films, it's it's like not about boxing. Like we were having this conversation the other day about the Hustler. The right. Hustler is about pull, but it's really not about pull, right? And Star right. Trek is not about space, and right. on and on and on. Mm-hmm. They, this is a sort of opportunity to sort of develop a metaphor about something larger. And so, this is a movie about boxing, but it's not really a movie about boxing. It is. It's First of all, like corruption and redemption. Well, I would say, like being more direct, it's it's about you know more literal. It's it's not a, about boxing as much as it is about covering boxing, right? But you're right mm-hmm. in the larger sense. Of course, there are all these other things about like corruption, about like the choices you make when you feel like you're choiceless or you're at the end of the right. road or you've right. made bad you decisions. Make the quick choice you make for the buck or sure or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So we and, and boxing is is rife ground for talking about corruption in general. Yeah, and also it's, it's, it's one of the most exploitive of sports. I don't know anything about it. Really? No, I really don't. I want to know be a person who knows a lot about boxing, but I don't. You mean like on a technical sense? Yeah, like uh, that would be kind of cool. It too. excites me when I watch it. It's cool. Yeah. Um, but I don't know anything what, about what, it. With the scoring system, no. any of that stuff is completely beyond me. Yeah. Utterly, yeah. So, so the, the film, the the premise of the film is essentially this: Rod Steiger um, has a stable, essentially, of fighters. Right, he's a promoter. He's a bo- he's a boxing promoter, and he's um, is he mobbed up officially? I don't know if if he is or in isn't, the sense but, that every promoter is considered mobbed up by by default. Yeah. So. Know? So he um, he has this sort of prospect, and it's this Argentinian giant, this mm-hmm. this like Andre the Giant size giant boxer, right? And um, he wants to to promote this boxer, and so we see that he calls Humphrey Bogart, who is um, sort of been he's a he's a, a sports writer who's been edged right. out of the business to mm-hmm. some degree. He's on his sort of last legs as a writer. There's there's a, there's a hint that he, uh, he there's a hint that he. Opted not to go with the the, the quick buck and yeah. was blacklisted because of his moral scru- scruples. Right, but now enough time has gone by. No scruples are smaller by the day, baby. Right, so he can be sort of tempted to come into mm-hmm. to um, Steiger's camp to promote this boxer. So we we get this opening sort of um, a montage where everyone's meeting at a gym mm-hmm. to sort of check this guy out, and Bogart's the last guy. And I have to sort of point something out that's very in maybe, but. But Tom's father um, has shown us this film half a dozen times, and he always points to Bogart coming up the steps mm-hmm. and him wincing and saying, yeah, essentially like he knew he had the big C. You can yeah. tell right there by right, that right, wince. Right. But it, you know, Bogart probably was 
had cancer. He did have cancer. And the, he had been diagnosed with it already. And you can yeah. see it. Like, he looks like he's been he beat looks, up in this film. He looks like hell a little bit, yeah. But he's still great. And so so mm-hmm. he comes up to see this guy, and it, what becomes obvious right away is that this guy is enormous sort of guy from Argentina. Yeah, he's, he's, he's strictly a freak show. He's strictly enormous and huge and strong. You can't box to save. He gets <laughs> at, with one punch. He can be knocked out. Mm-hmm. He, he has no ability to, to connect um, yeah. with you know with any other sort of part of his opponent's body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously, what's going to happen is that Steiger wants to take this guy on the road, sort of um, take advantage of his enormous size to promote him, and then put the fix in for all the other boxers to take a dive, mm-hmm. so he can manipulate the bo- the sort of betting and all that sort of stuff. Right, right. And Bogart is. Uh, All right, he's on his last legs. He needs the money, so he's taken in. Yeah, he, he does it. He 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 agrees to get, agrees to do it. Paul, uh, you know, um, and becomes the the press agent essentially for this boxing camp. Right, so, so that is almost like a circus in the way that it's presented. In it's thing. ridiculous. There's a bus with a gigantic sort of cutout of, of this enormous Argentinian boxer mm-hmm. on the side. Yeah. The boxer is beyond stupid. He doesn't he doesn't understand. It, to any degree that that the fix is in, he really thinks he's beating he's, all these other boxers up. He's a monster, up, right? Right. But he's actually incapable of beating anyone. And at one point, he's actually encouraged in this thought and belief by the fact that he, he during a fight, yeah. somebody he's fighting who basically should have died, about, yeah. like a, a round or two, like a yeah. couple of fights ago. Yeah, who's literally dies. been hemorrhaging the whole week from a previous fight. Right. Dies. He just basically taps him and, and kills him. Right. 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 So, so so okay. So this is the sort of delusion that he mm-hmm. is is operating under. But of course, it's a parallel to the delusion that that Bogart is operating under—the idea that somehow it's okay for him to do this because he's been driven to it by economic necessity. That he's doing the boxer and his manager, who are from a poor village in Argentina, Argentina, a favor. Go ahead. Well, and also that he's doing no harm. Right. The the belief that he's doing no harm, that this is a corrupt sport. He thinks that he now believes that it's fully corrupt. Yeah. He's not doing anything that everybody else isn't doing. All that, all that kind of, that kind of malarkey that you. Which, of course, is helped by Steiger, you know, his attitude. Steiger plays a great shithead. He plays, he always, he's always played a wonderful shithead, yes. Yeah. And, and, um, so, so the, on the other hand, you have his wife played by Jan, um, Sterling and, um, an old friend of his who's a, um, uh, he's a, he's a, still a legitimate sports writer, right? And also does television now, right? And so this film also also talks about the, the new 1950s medium of television and how that's going to affect people's perception of sports stars and recognizability, and all of that stuff that's sort of like second nature today. Mm-hmm. So um, those two characters are pulling him in the other direction. That the legitimate the friend who's a legitimate sports writer is actually working on the side on a film about like about. Skid Row boxers on Skid boxers Row boxers at the end of their career who are left with no money right. no, brain. Uh, no brain no brain <laughs> <All laughs> <just, laughs> ridiculous interviews yeah. with guys who can't like complete a sentence mm-hmm. um, and, and they didn't have mcdonald's jobs then for them to work at well also it's obviously like f- far ahead of its time yeah <laughs> i think like a film that considers like hey what happens to you know a punchy after after <laughs> you know somebody's somebody's literally taken <laughs> like, what was it described like how many how many? How much head trauma is in one room when you get like two boxers just talking to each other? Right, and so this is like decades before like uh, the argument about football and, oh, right, and right. that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And also, it was a time concussions are fun. <laughs> I remember watching a documentary on, on baseball players who. Uh, this is a time when baseball was still like the national sport, mm-hmm. and the average like top 
you know, performing baseball star, you know, let's say he played for the Yankees or something, made 40 times what the average worker made. Right. Um, and by the 1990s, that was like 540 times. So the accessibility was just starting to sort of, um, uh, the inaccessibility, the, the gap between like the, mm. the, the sports hero and the average man is, is starting to sort of widen then. There's true also, but I think one of the things that I think boxing is, boxing is unique as a sport, uh, yep. particularly as a professional sport, yeah. in that the difference between the top two guys uh-huh. and everybody else uh-huh. is amazing in every weight category. There's like literally him, hundreds of guys trying to make their way into some kind of a, you know, put together a, um, a good enough record, have a good enough reputation to, yeah. to be able to challenge the, uh, like the top of that, you know, to be able to, to become a contender or a challenger. Yeah. Most of those pros at the bottom are making, you know, nickel and dime. They're not making good money. I think what you're saying is for every um, Joseph Voth, there's hundreds of A. Vallejos, or I'm sorry, Albert V's. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's almost exactly that's, the metaphor that I was going for. Thank you. Show. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's I, first of all, I saw it again recently for the first time in maybe ten years, mm-hmm. and I've seen it a number of times. But um, I forgot what a great film it is. It has a great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It has um, a really interesting sort of like two landscapes: the landscape of New York several times, but then the sort of the small towns, Bakersfield, Salinas, right. mm-hmm. Carson City across the border of California, mm-hmm. like uh, desert the, towns. Yeah, as well, you know. Yeah, it's really. I think. I think it's. It's well done. Of course, mm-hmm. it's corny. Of course, it's over the top. Um, but there are moments that are very sort of um, kind of vicious still. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is is a boxer who refuses to take the dive. And so Steiger's guys um, meet him in the shower, essentially, right. and give, give him the old lead pipe. And you see the in black and white, but you can still see the, the, the color of the water change as, right. as it goes toward the drain mm-hmm. and so forth. So I thought it was a really effective movie. It was a really effective movie, wonderful movie. Yep. Uh, I would like to point out it's actually based on a true story as well. Let's hear it. Well, uh, it's just the, uh, the story of uh, Primo, Primo uh, what's his name? Hold on, Primo Carnera. He was a boxing scandal. Very, it's almost exactly what the Primo Carnera boxing scandal was about. Well, was this guy also unaware of? Yeah, of, he was, was this enormous <laughs> South American. Um, he had been like in a, he'd been like in a, like a strong man and a, yeah. a carnival or something like that. And been, yep. They brought him up here and did exactly that to him. Now, but Primo Carnera ended up taking a lot of damage at the end. And that was sort of in the movie, in this movie, that that was kind of Bogart's breaking point when he realizes that this kid is going to eventually get chased out to the wolves. And would left with, I think the, the number is $49.50 after they're taking like hundreds of thousands of dollars right. at the gate. Right, he's getting nothing. They're going to leave him with nothing. Yeah, it would have been, been a princely sum in his little Argentinian town, but yeah. there's nothing where he is. Tom, you're a comedian from what I hear. Yes, I know. So I'm curious um, if you found out that all the audiences had been paid to laugh, would you be okay with it? Uh, no, no, fuck you. Yeah, no, I'm no. just curious. No, that's a terrifying thought. That's yeah. a horrifying thought. <laughs> Dude, what? That's a parallel. I'm trying to draw a parallel here. Oh, suck your balls. <laughs> You're a poet. Imagine if everybody pretended to read your book. I mean, well, that, well no one would do that for any amount of money. <laughs> Are you kidding terrifying. me? <laughs> uh, that's yeah. wretched. No. Mm, okay. I'm just curious. Yeah, that would be upsetting. I, I would imagine the parallel would be similar to boxing as well. I think it would be really <laughs> upsetting to find that out, right? So, so it, it really is a matter of like, can Humphrey Bogart find his moral center, um, take care of this kid, who's, by the way, he's the only, Bogart's character is the only one that this Argentinian kid trusts because he sees the rest of them acting like buffoons and shady characters and so forth. And right. so, so the, the Argentinian boxer, this, this kid, 
believes he's going to walk away with a ton of money and 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 Bogart's character is going to take care of him right, and right, so right. can can Bogart live up to that right yeah well shame plays a lot into his thing because he actually has shame unlike sure. anybody else in the uh, thing right yeah uh, Jersey Joe Walcott also plays a little character in this he's Ooh. a professional boxer he was a heavyweight champion of the world like back in the 30s or something oh, okay like that. tremendous boxer uh, mm-hmm. but he's a, he's a, he's the short black guy who plays uh, George George, yeah, he's, yeah, he plays Toro. The character's name is Toro, by the way. Right? Did we say that before? No, I don't think we did. <laughs> his name is Toro. Yeah, the mountain from Brazil, or whatever. Anyways, but yeah, his trainer is George, and that's a Jersey Joe Walcott. So that's cool to see. I think if 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 you're someone who likes classic films, or you consider yourself a Humphrey Bogart fan, um, this is one that could easily be overlooked, but shouldn't be overlooked. That's true. I think there there's uh, there are a couple of movie there are a couple of movie stars. Whose last film should be in the canon, and I think this is one of them. Yeah, I would say that about John Wayne as well with the shootist. I think that's uh, that's a good call. Yeah, necessary movie to see. Um, Burt Lancaster, Tough Guys. Okay, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an incredibly enjoyable but not great movie. Okay, so that's it has the Red Hot Chili Peppers in it, though. It does. You're right. That's exciting. Um, so that's I think just Sarah Jessica Parker's in it too. Oh, so yeah. Okay, maybe it is a great movie. So um, that's The Harder They Fall from 1956. And it has this sort of, it takes this other angle on boxing. And at this point, I think it's it's a tired angle, but it wasn't in 1956. So I right. don't think you should take that away from The Harder They Fall. Mm-hmm. As opposed to this next film, and I have to say this about this next film. I have to sort of do a little preface. Tom has been talking about this film forever. And because Tom's been talking about oh, it forever, I've been ignoring it forever. <laughs> Every time you mentioned it, I was like, okay, fine, fat. It's called Fat City. It's from 1972. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this at the beginning of this because I think it's okay to say it and we can break it down. I fucking love this movie. Yeah. This movie is intensely good. <laughs> it's really one of the better movies. and it's It really is. It's Stacey Keach. And um, baby Jeff Daniels. And a baby Jeff Bridges, not Bridges. Daniels. Bridges. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right. Jeff Bridges. Um and directed by John Huston. And I always think of John Huston as like a, an equivalent, like if Hemingway were a director, it would be John Huston. Mm-hmm. But in this film, it's as if John Huston's trying to be John Steinbeck instead of mm-hmm. Hemingway. Yeah. It's got a Steinbeck quality to it, not simply because you know it has the pickers in the fields in California, although that's part of the subplot. Mm-hmm. But really, it's, it, it opens, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toss it over to Tom in a second here, but it opens with, I think we can describe St- Stacey Keach's character as he's a, uh, um, kind of an ex-boxer for the moment mm-hmm. in Stockton, California, which is, if anyone's ever been to Stockton or past you Stockton, it truly is uh, one of the worst places in America. It's just awful. Yeah. It's like Kabul without the charm. I really thought I'd say more about it, but I just, that's all you can say about it. It's just fucking awful. Oh, I could say a little bit more. I spent time there. I've never been in a place, this is the only place I've ever been where you, where you can feel depression in the air. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty terrible. There's something about that town that is sun washed and without hope. I don't know yeah. how the fuck they manage that, but they surely do. So, so and, and this yeah. apparently has held true <laughs> from 1972 till today. So they haven't changed a goddamn thing. It opens with him. He's in like you know, it's just cheap, <laughs> cheap hotel, smoking cigarettes and drinking. And, and he, um, mm-hmm. um, he's an ex boxer. Meaning, what I like about it, it's not like he was one of the greats who right. fell. It's just that he was a, a proficient boxer, mm-hmm. or he could make something of a living as a single guy as a boxer, or something like that. He was a decent boxer, and he didn't. He's not a broken down war horse. He, it's clear immediately that he made decisions that kept him away from boxing. Right, right. Or, or pushed him away from boxing 
and towards things that were not conducive to him being a great boxer. If he ever had that ability, he he, he if he ever had that ability and it's doubtful, he he, just, he killed it. Yeah, certainly. booze and heartbreak and all this all this other stuff. Yeah, certainly. So so. Um, he quickly meets up with Jeff Daniels. Mm-hmm. The, uh, like you, I, I love that. Uh, you got, uh, God damn it, Tom. What? Jeff Bridges. Yeah, that's what I said. Jeff Bridges. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, folks. <laughs> with Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think you have it right, a baby face Jeff Bridges, um, who does it, has a vague interest in boxing. Right. Essentially. So he just right. sort of does it for something to do. Has never like had a fight. boxing and pretending he's fighting in a gym in a corner somewhere. But he's clearly like has some like raw talent or mm-hmm. something or Stacy Keach sees it. So it's like you have the boxer who's who's tried and sort of like fucked himself out of boxing and then the the guy who could be a boxer but anyway, so we'll take it from there. Well, he kind of talks him into it. He says, "Hey, if you ever want to get, you know, get serious, go this is my uh this is my trainer. Go see him. He goes to see the tra- Eventually, the kid gets... The, the trainer, by the way, is Coach from Cheers. That's right, it is. Oh, he's wonderful. He's, he plays a great sort of com- comedic, uh, like a like a comedy Greek chorus almost yeah. at some times. He's yeah, a really yeah. great character. Um, but but so he goes and sees the goes to see the trainer, and the trainer likes his talent. In Jeff, Bridges yeah, Jeff Bridges does. Bridges, right. Meanwhile, Steph Ke- Stacey Keach, we'll get these fucking names, right? Stacey Keach. <laughs> Is um, Stacy Peaches is avoiding going back to the gym because he owes somebody forty dollars or something ridiculous like that, and so he's doing like like twelve hour days picking artichokes yeah. and, and doing these horrific sort of menial jobs. But but it's like but it's like he's avoiding because he owes somebody forty dollars. But that's that weird alcoholic excuse. Like sure, he's he doesn't want to go because he doesn't want to go do the hard work it's going to take to go be successful. You know, like all that yeah. stuff. You can see that. Is packed behind this weird little excuse of owing somebody forty bucks. No, that that aspect of the film is it has all the sort of stuff for drama and and heartbreak and mm-hmm. Stacey Keach's. Um, yeah, I only it's knew him growing up. underplayed. I only knew him growing up from Heart is a Lonely Hunter, which mm-hmm. he was decent in, and then Mike Hammer. Mm-hmm. This is during his cocaine days in the eighties. Um, but this is a great acting job. Yeah, um, Jeff Bridges does a great acting job, but. But what I was really interested in this film is this relationship that Stacy Keach has with this this barfly, oh, who yeah. is one of the worst women ever. <laughs> See, it's called sticking your dick in crazy. Like she comes, she's she's that like immediately the moment she appears on scene. Yeah, she never she 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 changes. From that, in that she becomes weepy and slightly kind occasionally. If you get to get her drunk enough, played by Candy Clark, yes, who's yeah. who's just I mean, God, she's hateable, but also is it really she's her sad. fault? She's a sad, sad. It's yeah. really a movie about sad people, sad people. Yeah. Well, it's it's about it is ultimately so that's fun, it. Folks. It is. It's not. It's fat city. Fat city is a joke. It's not fat city. This is these are people. Who are going nowhere? Who have mm-hmm. no capacity? Who will probably never go nowhere? They started nowhere. They're they're going to end up there. Wait, the, the one with hope on, in his eyes is Jeff Dan is <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Yeah, yeah Jeff is the Jeff Bridges character. Yeah, yeah, but at the beginning of the movie, he's dating a girl, and then he gets her pregnant. And you're never sure how far can this guy go under these circumstances. Well, immediately you see him besides Stacey Keach in the field, all of a sudden he's taking field work. Right. So his dreams are sort of gone. His boxing dreams are dead for mm-hmm. a while. And for a while, he gets back to them. Stacey Keach is also, he plays a great person who wants to keep having a conversation with you. And mm-hmm. all you want to do is get away from this guy. <laughs> yes. But you can't. 
right? Because you know he's gonna be, you know what he's gonna talk about. I don't know how to sell this film because you've been trying to sell it to me for years, and I don't know that we did it really. I think you might just have to trust us at this point that it's a really good film because all we're saying is it's just a film about sad, sad people. <laughs> it is, but but if you like that kind of movie, yep. and I love that kind of movie, yep. I love a movie that's taken an unflinching view of what reality is for most people, quite frankly. Hmm. And this is it. And I think it's really interesting <laughs> because it's John Huston, and there's mm-hmm. a, there's some elements to it as well because once upon a time Joseph and I did a lot of studying up on John Huston. Yeah. And I know from my study of John Huston how much his experience informed this movie. Here's what we did, folks. Let me just explain what he just said. Let's go for it. We put together a, a presentation on John Huston's efforts as a filmmaker during World War II. He made these three films, Battle of San Pietro, sometimes referred to as San Pietro. Um, Let There Be Light. Let There Be Light. What's the one about the illusions? Oh, a document from the Aleutians. I, I forget what it's called. Anyway, so it's these three films, and we did this. We put together this presentation, and then we went to a retirement home. Yeah. And we put this a presentation on for elderly slash dying people who really, really enjoyed it. And then we felt good about ourselves, and we said, you know what? We should take this thing on tour and do different <laughs> retirement homes around the, the state. Mm-hmm. And then we never did. And then I saw recently that Netflix has a documentary about John Houston and those it's three a really films. Good one. It's really good, but it also feels like, God damn it, like yeah. someone scooped us, except that really we just sat on our asses. Well, but, but here's the thing. The, be, be, but before that, we had done really very serious research. This, this was an outgrowth of something earlier that had been like a more scholarly approach to it. Yeah. And I'd done a lot of reading, and, he, and John Houston had been a boxer when yes. he was a teenager in, mm-hmm. in like Stockton area. Yeah. And so how much of the stories that he tells of that time period appear in Fat City as well? It's yeah. pretty cool. Like the, like, the, like the, they go to a boxing match, and it's like five guys in one car, and they drive over to another place where five guys from another car yeah. are going to meet them, and they're going to box. Yeah. And they have one pair of shorts. That's one of my favorite scenes is Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Bridges gets his, the shit beat out of him, and there's blood on his shorts. And Coach, whatever his name is, that actor, uh-huh. makes him take his shorts off, throws him to another boxer, and says, here, put on the shorts. They have one neck. pair of shorts to You're wear. Next, right. Yeah, it's great. So, but 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 that that actually says. But that was, again, that's a scene out of you know Houston's own life. So yeah. it was kind of interesting to see him bring that in there. But but that I think that scene says everything you need to know about this movie in some senses. If yep. that sounds entertaining to you, yeah, yeah, this is the movie. This is a movie for you to go and watch. Yeah, I and mean, I recommend it. Anyway. The harder they fall is, is clearly is a great movie. They're both great. Fat City's probably a better movie, and Fat City's yeah. a, like a more independent film, and and The Harder They Fall is more of a Hollywood classic film. Oh about. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, very much an indie versus a classic. Yeah, yeah, no, but, no doubt about but that. Both great. It's just the breakup scene with the barfly. Fuck. The, uh, oh, it's uh, awful. She is awful. <laughs> she is just an awful. And I don't even mean personally. Just her being is awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so both of them, they're great films. They're underrated films. Films that are not talked about enough in terms yeah. of boxing films. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's all I have to say about it. I, I, right. I give a big thumbs up to both. Mm, I give a couple. I give a couple of broken thumbs up to myself. <laughs> they no. broke my thumbs. They broke my thumbs, Charlie. I could have been a contender. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I guess we're the Finleys on films. Oh, absolutely. We love uh, to argue. I'm going to start it over because actually we're the Finleys on film. That's right. We are. <laughs> we love to watch old movies and argue and and take the piss blah, out of each other. But by the way, just also want to pass. Recommend if you get a chance, please join us on Patreon. Yep. Uh, if you can uh, donate some bucks, that would be really great. We would uh, we could use the help. If you um, found also, this not on iTunes, then go through iTunes and give us a rating and a review. Yes, please. Absolutely. That helps us that out. Helps us out tremendously. And, uh, and meanwhile, we love you. And uh, thanks for listening to our drivel. Ding ding. Uh,